her, but uh, <laughs> um, but we're going to be looking at Colossians three, and um, what we wear, and what we wear can often grab people's attention. Um, what we are aware often identifies partly who we are and what we do. In the past each day, we're challenged to wear what identifies us as a Christ follower. It's not an outward dress code. It's a Holy Spirit-driven character transformation. And I'm going to get rid of this. Awkward silence here, but okay. A proper perspective in life creates a good look. Um, when we get our perspective, our point of view from God's Word, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, we begin to look more like Jesus. Last week, Kenny is Kenny here. Um, Kenny taught us that we have been raised with Christ. We are to set our hearts and minds on things above. We are to put to death our old nature. We have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. And according to verse 11 in chapter 3, all people are welcome to follow Christ. Okay, let's take a look at our text today, Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Um, Chris, you want to put that up there for us? Okay, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray, okay? Father, thank you for, for the challenge of, of your truth. And Lord, thank you for this word that you have given to a church many, many years ago. And Lord, applies to us uh, even this moment today. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would... Uh, teach us, help us to be teachable. Lord, that your spirit would just overwhelm us here, that you would work in us and among us. Lord, we need you. We, we cry out for your help, for your spirit to uh, just move within us. And uh, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, therefore, it starts off, uh, therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. And I just want to stop there uh, and take a look at that for a second. So here we have Paul is speaking to the church in Colossae. And now 
this word comes to us here at this church in north central Pennsylvania. And what I mean by the church is a gathering of people who have come to know God's great grace and mercy and have repented from their sins and accepted the forgiveness offered to us through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. He's saying the same thing to us. My dear precious Christ followers at Big Woods Bible Church, holy and loved, are you a believer? Are you a Christ follower? At one time I would have said yes to this question without having a clue as to what that meant. Um, I grew up in a church, that is to say, I regularly went to a building that had a steeple, it had an auditorium, it had Sunday school rooms, it had a fellowship area, and it had restrooms. Sadly, I never ever remember hearing the gospel, the good news preached, but I would have told you that I believed in Jesus or God. It was like I was immunized or vaccinated. I had enough of religion to keep me from getting the real thing. I pretty much thought that my good outweighed my bad, which most likely qualified me for an afterlife in heaven. Well, my spiritual world was rocked when a guest youth speaker, sadly, it took a guest youth speaker to come to our church, and he asked me if I believed in God. I told him that I did, thinking that that was a good answer and that he would be happy with that and just let me alone. But then he shared a verse with me that kind of shook me up. In James 2.19, it says, You believe there is one God? Well, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Okay, so, then I learned that to enter heaven and to be with the holy God when I die and even to walk and journey with the holy God while living on earth, I would need more than a superficial belief in God. I would need to be perfect and perfectly holy. By that time in my life, I was well aware that I was a sinful person. I was in my later teens, and by then I had plenty of things to practice. Um, I could relate to Romans 3.23, which says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But there is hope for me. In Romans 5.8 it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then in John 1, 12, it says, To all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now the reason I share this is just in case there's anyone here holding to a belief in God that has not been life-transforming. As we look in the passage from Chapter 3, verses 1 uh, through 317, we see there are, there is major transformation going on in these people. 
we see that there are believers from all types of backgrounds, like us. I bet within our body here, there are some that had absolutely no church background. And I bet you there are some who went to church every single week and even during the week. I wouldn't be surprised if here in our midst there are former Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Fundamental Baptist, Mennonite, Brethren, Atheist, Agnostic, and there, hap there don't happen to be any Moonies here, are there? Any former Moonies? Remember them from the 70s? <laughs> okay, forget that. Um, anyway, whatever else I'm forgetting to mention. And yet the Lord rescues us who are flawed, fallen people in a fallen world and says, here I am putting you people together as a body of believers in Lock Haven area to shine as a beacon of hope. And that will happen as this community sees your love for one another. In John 17, 20 through 23, Jesus is praying to the Father. And he says this, My prayer is not for them alone, speaking of his disciples. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, like the people at Big Woods Bible Church. Now, I added that part. That wasn't really in, wasn't in my Bible. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world in the Lock Haven area know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. In Colossians 3, we see we were given a new perspective by being raised with Christ. We are to put our old nature to death, get rid of it. We have taken off a bunch of old, rotten, stenchy things that we used to be wearing. I love the quote from Max Licato that says, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. In verses 12 through 15, we are shown and instructed what we need to be looking like, what we should be wearing, how we should be treating each other. Hey, Chris, you want to go ahead and play that clip? Okay, anyway, I might have to explain that one a little to you. <laughs> this, um, the, the night just went crazy and was killing a bunch of people. And, and then so this other guy is 
defending him, saying, let's just not bicker and argue about who's killing who. Let's just all get along and have a happy time. Okay, so... Um, anyway, so he, the guy there is just saying, let's just all get along in harmony. Well, although harmony can be an enemy of the truth, if it means just pushing under the rug issues that truthfully need to be addressed. Uh, in reality, every one of us knows that relationships can be messy, and even in a church with other believers. In Proverbs 27:17, it says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Sharpening one another is a good thing, but we need to be aware we will be creating friction, heat, and sparks. This gives us the opportunity, though, to demonstrate God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness towards one another as we learn to walk in the Holy Spirit's strength and not our own. The following verses that we're reading in Colossians are assuming that we are in fellowship and in relationship with each other. These are excellent and proper instructions in how relationships can be well done. In Colossians 3.12, it says, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Okay, let's take a look at what it means to be compassionate. I think of uh, the times Jesus demonstrated his compassion and told stories about compassion is when people were in pain and without hope. In Matthew 9:36, it says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were, help, or they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In Matthew 15:32, we read, Jesus called his disciples to them, to him, and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Luke 10:33. There was a man along the road who was beat up by robbers and left half dead. But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him and had compassion on him. He took the time to clean his wounds, bandage him, and pay for a place where he could recover. Luke, one more here, Luke 15, 20, the prodigal son. He got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So let's clothe ourselves with compassion as we ask God's help to be aware of the pain of others among us. How he might use us to comfort, help, and encourage and pray for them. And as we go along and, and 
mix with each other here in this body of believers, I'd like to really encourage you guys, um, and this is encouraging to myself too to remember to do this, if someone's sharing with you a pain and a hurt and anxiety, if it's even somewhat appropriate, just take the time right then and there to pray with them. And if you're not used to doing that, it's okay. Do it anyway and you'll get used to doing it. Okay? Sometimes it's one of those things that just takes practice to do, but it'll be a blessing to you and to those that you pray with. Okay, kindness. Let's take a look at kindness. We're supposed to put on, clothe ourselves with kindness. Um, I have written here, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure this one out. Just think for a moment the kinds of things people have done for you over the years. I was thinking about this and pretty far back in my life when I was in high school I was reminded of a, a high school electric shop teacher who would spend evening after evening after evening, I mean this is like for a couple years, with me and a couple other guys that would want to stay after school to work on projects. And um, he would just take the extra time to let us work on those things, just out of being kind. Um, while, while I was in college at the University of Montana with no car, 3,000 miles from home, friends and church families gave me rides or invited me to their home for a meal or a weekend or a place to stay during the holiday. Here's another one. As the lanes narrow in a work zone and someone allows me to pull in front of them. I'm sure we've all had that. I mean, it's in my nature. I don't want to let that guy in. <laughs> but, okay, how about this? You walk into a room full of people and someone acknowledges you. Kindness is expressing love in practical ways, is putting the needs of others before our own. As Jesus said to those around him after the story of the Good Samaritan, go and do likewise. Humility. Clothe yourselves with humility. In John 13, 12 through 17, we read, when Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, basically, now that I have shown you, I've, I've acted like a servant. I've acted like the lowliest of servants. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Romans 12, 9 and 10 says, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. 
honor one another above yourselves. If we are serious in our journey with the Lord, he will graciously and lovingly teach us humility and eliminate our pride. Clothe yourselves with gentleness. Gentleness is the quality of being careful and kind. The noun gentleness is perfect for describing the way someone acts when they are soft and calm and sweet to other people. A good kindergarten teacher speaks to his students with gentleness. And get a load of this one. Your favorite dentist might be one who treats you with gentleness. Patience. Clothe yourselves with patience. Now here's... This is, can be tough. Willingness to put up with waiting, pain, or anything that annoys, troubles, or hurts. Calm endurance without complaining or losing control. I'm pretty sure we all have a handle on that, so I almost didn't even mention that one. Um, yeah, Lord help us with that one. Okay. The next thing we're encouraged to do concerning getting along is to bear with each other. Now, when I, just reading about patience, and then you look at bear with each other, I think it's just an extra double, triple, whatever, quadruple emphasis on being patient with each other. Um, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now this could be as simple as having a conversation with somebody and suddenly realizing that you said something that offended the person and just asking him or her to forgive you. Or perhaps you or I have been deeply hurt. Someone said something that wasn't true about you. They shared with others something that you shared in confidence. Maybe you were overlooked. Maybe you were excluded. Maybe you were ignored, betrayed. And the list sadly goes on. Perhaps you are the one that has done these things to someone and you know you, know you need to make things right. To talk to the one that you offended or to talk or yeah, to talk to the one who offended you or to talk to the one whom you offended can be extremely difficult and heart wrenching. And because of the difficulty, we often keep kicking the can down the road. I heard it said that unforgiveness and bitterness in our lives is like swallowing a poisonous pill that is meant to hurt the other person. Okay, let's go ahead and look at the clip there, Chris.
Love that, isn't that powerful? Um, Jesus actually gave us instructions of how to do this in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you or your sister, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother or sister then come and offer your gift. So in other words, if the Lord is working in your heart and reminds you of something that, you know, you need to go make something right with this person or that person, don't just keep putting it off. I mean, of course, get on your knees and pray and ask the Lord for um, His grace and strength to do this. Um, but do it. Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and show his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Any efforts we make towards forgiveness, whether being asked to give it or needing to receive it, may require much prayer and a broken, broken and humble spirit. I would like to encourage you that if you need to ask for forgiveness, that you would, add, that you would actually say, will you forgive me? It goes a lot deeper than just saying, I'm sorry. 
when you say you're sorry, it's, I know it can sort of seem like, you know, I need your forgiveness, but it's more of a just acknowledging that a wrong has been done. But I feel like when you're asking for forgiveness and receiving forgiveness, it's more of an exchange of grace and mercy and humility. Uh, in verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And in case there are any questions as to what love is, I mean, I kind of feel like we just kind of talked about, you know, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which are all um, expressions of love and forgiveness. Um, but 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is patient and kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now moving on to verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. So he's saying, Paul's telling us, since we're members of one body, there should be peace within our relationships among each other. And another, uh, it's interesting as, as looking this up, um, another word that's used in, in, instead of rule, let the peace of Christ rule, is let the peace of Christ be like an umpire um, in your hearts. In other words, kind of call the shots. If, so I, I just think about this. So allow the level of peace to be a gauge in our relationships. If the level on the internal peace gauge is dropping, we need to check out why and make some corrections. Okay, verse uh, 16 and 17, let the word of Christ dwell on you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now contained in verse 15, 16, and 17, Paul reminds us to be thankful, to have an attitude of gratitude in our hearts to God, and to give thanks to God the Father through Jesus. It is another character trait the Lord wants to display through us to bring him glory, to be thankful people. Okay, now let's examine uh, letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Let's take a look at how that can practically be done. One way would be to have our own personal Bible study, also sometimes known as a quiet time, where it's just you and me, you or me, before the Lord alone with our Bible. Um, doing what we're doing at this moment, coming together and hear God's word preached with other believers. 
We could be part of a Sunday school class. We could take part in a home group, memorize scripture, listen to scripture on your phone, or however. <laughs> um, but let's go back to the quiet time idea, where we get alone with our Bible and read, meditate, and sit in God's presence. Concerning maturity and growth, this is one time, this time is one of the most necessary and critical practices in any Christ follower's life. It is in these times that we take the opportunity to say, as David said in the Psalms, in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. I don't know, Chris, do I have it? Yeah. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And actually, this would be kind of a neat prayer as you come before the Lord to do us go ahead and pray this out to the Lord. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Um, let's see how we're doing here for time. Okay, good. Um, there was a little pamphlet that I read years ago called My Heart Christ Home. And actually I read this when I was in college. That was like in the 70s. So, and it's still out and around today. Um, and it talks about this quiet time. And, and something I read in here, you know, it used to be that, oh man, I missed my quiet time. You know, the Lord's going to not look on with favor on me, you know, I missed it like now two days in a row or three days, you know, whatever. And, and something I read in here kind of just changed my whole perspective on the quiet time. And Kimber, would you come and read that? It's just a short part. It's, um, this is called the living room. No, you're good. Those times together were wonderful. 
even in these quiet times of personal conversation. However, under the pressure of many responsibilities, little by little, this time began to be shortened. Why? I'm not sure. Somehow I assumed I was just too busy to give special regular time to be with Christ. It was not a deliberate decision, you understand. It just seemed to happen that way. Eventually, not only was the period shortened, but I began to miss days now and then, such as during midterms for one month. Matters of urgency demanding my attention were continually crowding out the quiet times of conversation with Jesus. Often I would miss it two days in a row or more. One morning I recall rushing down the steps in a hurry to be on my way to an important appointment. As I passed the living room, the door was open. Glancing in, I saw a fire in the fireplace and Jesus sitting there. Suddenly in dismay it came to me. He is my guest. I invited him into my heart. He has come as my Savior and friend to live with me. Yet here I am neglecting him. I stopped turning at the temple With a downcast glance, I said, Master, I'm sorry. Have you been here every morning? Yes, he said. I told you I would be here to meet with you. I was even more ashamed. He had been faithful in spite of my faithlessness. I asked him to forgive me, and he did as he always does, when we acknowledge our failure and want to do the right thing. He said, the trouble is that you have been thinking of the quiet time of Bible study and prayer as a means for your own spiritual growth. This is true, but you have forgotten that this time means something to me. Remember, I love you. At a great cost, I have redeemed you. I value you for fellowship. Just to have you look into my face warms my heart. Don't neglect this hour of only for my sake. Whether or not you want to be with me, remember, I want to be with you. I really love you. You know, the truth that Christ wants my fellowship, that he loves me, wants me to be with him, and waits for me, has done more to transform my quiet time with God than any other single act. Don't let Christ be alone in the living of your heart, but every day find a place, time and place, when, with the word of God and in prayer, you may be together with him. Thanks. If anybody's interested in, I have a bunch of these. Bought a couple hundred of them a couple weeks ago. Yeah. All right. God's Word. It was in the beginning. It's like a road map to see where we need to go. It's like a compass to point us in the right direction. It's like a user's manual to show us how this life is supposed to work and how to maintain it and how to fix things when they break. God's word is the bread that nourishes our soul. 
It's the water that quenches our thirst. It's the scalpel that does painful surgery in our heart and soul to remove the disease of sin. It cleanses us, it comforts us, it encourages us. It's a light that shines on our path. It's a person, it's Jesus. Let him dwell in us richly that we may view life with the proper perspective and display Christ-like character. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, for your word and how it does change us, how it makes us. Lord, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your compassion for us. Lord, thank you for your gentleness. Thank you for the humility that you've shown. Lord, we praise you and thank you. Without it, we would be lost. And now, Lord, as we um, see this passage, we realize that we need your strength to be this, these same things to each other. Lord, give us the grace, the strength, the mercy, the forgiveness. Lord, even when there are tremendous hard, tremendously hard things to forgive, that you would, just by the power of your Spirit, work in us. And Lord, we thank you for uh, allowing us to be a body here in, in the Lock Haven area. Thank you for letting us gather together. And Lord, we do pray that you would use us, that we would be a light in this, in this area, among the darkness. And uh, Lord, thank you for how you're going to do that. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.